0: If you would turn with me to Mark chapter 12, we're going to be reading from verses 38 to 44. and I'll give you a moment to get there in your Bibles. Mark chapter 12, verses 38 to 44. Now this is uh, Jesus speaking. At the beginning and in his teaching he said beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the place of honor at feasts who devour widows houses and for a pretense make long prayers they will receive the greater condemnation for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And open our eyes to see him. And to seek him and to seek what he desires. To seek what pleases him as we... Study his word together. In Jesus name. Amen. Jesus has spent a long day that day teaching in the temple. He had been questioned by the teachers of the law who wanted to arrest him. They saw him as a threat to their authority, but they could find nothing to charge him with. Every time they sought to trap him in his words, he answered their questions with wisdom and integrity and with authority that God had given him. He spoke with the authority of God. And their mouths were stopped. They could find nothing to say against him. Now as he concludes his time at the temple, Jesus has a final word for the people. Final word about those men, the teachers of the law. In Verse 38, he says, beware of or look away from the scribes. Beware of the teachers of the law. These were the theological leaders of his day. Watch out, Jesus says, for those guys. And his words are like a warning sign that reads to us, danger ahead. Okay, when you see beware, you go, okay, let's not go there. Danger ahead. And Jesus warns them about the false piety of the teachers of the law. And then in contrast, in God's providence, we are given an example of true piety, an example of the devotion, the worship that God desires. First, we're going to look at this danger that we're to be warned of. The piety that looks good to man, but not to God. The piety that is an outward show does not come from a heart that seeks to worship and honor God. Jesus warns about religious leaders, teachers, who firstly like to be seen. He says they like or they want to, they love to, verse 38 here, walk around in long robes. The word there for robe has the idea of a festive or a formal robe. So they would walk around in these robes that set themselves apart. That identified them as as we're the holy one. And they liked to be seen in that way. They like to be seen as these especially pious people marked out. By their clothing. Not by. Their actions. Not even by their words. They like to be seen. Secondly, they like to be greeted in the marketplaces. They liked it when they go out and people would say to them, "Rabbi and master." Oh teacher, it's so good to see you. Father!" They live to hear themselves praised by other people. They like to hear the titles and the applause. Thirdly, they like to be honored. They have, verse 39 says, the best seats in the synagogue. They reserved the best spot for themselves. They sat at the front. They faced everybody else. They had those, the best seats in the synagogue. And they had the places of honor at feasts. When there was a celebration, they wanted to be honored there. And they were honored by the people. These three things, that they love to be seen and to be greeted and to be honored, speak to their heart what they long for. They lived for themselves. They lived for their own praise. They lived to put themselves ahead of others and to be seen as more righteous than others. They loved, as John wrote in his gospel in John 12, 43, the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. They did not ultimately care about what God thought and the praise that He gives, but the praise that man could give to them. They loved to be praised because they loved themselves. And here's the thing people did praise them, they were honored because they had earned this great reputation of piety. Well, look at the alms that they gave. Look at the nice prayers that they prayed. Look at their clothing. I mean, if they had such wonderful robes, you, they got to be godly, right? You don't get to wear, you know, the special robe of a rabbi without being a somebody. These weren't the hated tax collectors that nobody wanted to be around. People called them teachers. People respected them. But Jesus warns the people that they would not follow those who live a life of outward piety and inward corruption. And he was not finished with describing the teachers of the law and how they lived and how they acted. You see the desire for prestige and for honor and for power comes here at the expense of the poor. Pride necessarily crushes other people under its feet. To raise oneself up, you have to put others down. And so the fourth thing that we see is that they take from others while making a show of piety. Verse 40 characterizes these teachers as the ones who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They consume the possessions of the weakest and the most helpless in society. Widows were especially vulnerable along with the fatherless. Especially At times like that. And all throughout the scriptures, the cause of widows is brought up as those who are especially to be cared for under the law. If you're going to show kindness to anybody, you should show it to the widow and the fatherless. And so to abuse them was to be guilty of an especially wicked thing in the eyes of God and any man who would is righteous the prophet Isaiah said to give you one example he said in Isaiah 10 verses 1 through 4 woe to those who decree iniquitous degre- decrees sinful decrees and the writers who keep writing oppression to turn aside the needy from justice and to rob the poor of my people of their right, that widows may become their spoil and that they may make the fatherless their prey. What will you do on the day of punishment in the ruin that will come from afar? To whom will you flee for help? And where will you leave your wealth? Nothing remains for you but to crouch among the prisoners or fall among the slain. For all this, his anger has not Turned away and his hand is stretched out still. Stretched out in judgment. God is especially angry at those who will make the, the widows their spoil. And that is exactly what Jesus declares the scribes have done. There were likely many ways that. The scribes took advantage of the most helpless in society. They were the uh, experts in the law. Lawyers. Who could twist the law to their own advantage in more or less legal ways and look pretty good on the outside. I was just following the letter of the law, right? Some of, of the ways that they may have ripped off the poor or excessive legal fees, mismanaging the estates of widows, taking houses as pledge pledges for unpayable debts. So you know they can't pay it off, so just take their house. Promoting the temple treasury that ate up the resources of the pious poor and exploiting their hospitality and trust overstaying their welcome. Here's the thing. It's not that they were just corrupt lawyers. Corruption and extortion is wrong whatever way you're going to slice the pie. But the teachers of the law consume widows' property They take advantage of these helpless women while making a show of long prayers, while proclaiming to be wise, while saying that they have the blessing of God. They pretend to do good and love God. But such prayers cannot hide a perverse heart from God. In this case, they're... Their actions certainly spoke louder than any words that they prayed and revealed the true state of their hearts. The truth is that those who love recognition more than they love God will always destroy others to, take, uh, to advance themselves. Maybe not in quite so dramatic ways, But in subtle ways, putting others down so as to look better themselves, to do evil, hidden evil, while praying long prayers. Now, Jesus is quite clear. that they will receive the greater condemnation. It's not going to go well with them. There really is danger ahead. Danger for those men, and danger for those who would follow them. Those who walk the path of outward piety will win the praise of people, believe me. They will give you titles and places of honor at the banquet. But God sees the heart. Whether a person truly delights in his ways. And there is a piety that God delights in. And providentially we come to an example of that immediately after Jesus has finished teaching. Verse 41 tells us that Jesus then sat down in the temple courtyard opposite the treasury. 13 trumpet shaped offering boxes where people would leave their offerings. And each chest was devoted to different types of offerings. So you might offer um, some for wood or for incense to be used in the temple, or uh, free will offerings. And all of these donations went towards the work of the temple to keep it going, to make it prettier, to put some more gold ornaments around. As Jesus watched, many rich people put in large amounts of money. It doesn't say so, but given the emphasis of the previous verses on the teachers of the law who like to be seen. It seems reasonable that many of these folks might have done so for the same reason. They wanted to be seen. Giving. Their gifts. But verse 42 tells us that one poor widow gave two small copper coins. These were coins that were worth next to nothing. In fact, the coins that the widow gave were the least valuable coins you could find in circulation in Palestine. Mark adds the detail that this was the equivalent of a quadrants. The name means little to you. This was a Roman coin. And it added up to about. Less than a hundredth of a day's wage. Less than a hundredth of what you make in a day. So something like a dollar fifty today. Enough for a cheap meal. And the widow gave both coins up when she could have kept one for herself in that act jesus saw something worth telling his disciples verse 43 tells us he called his disciples to him maybe they were off just looking around in the temple courtyard now jesus gathers them together and he said to them verse 43 Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Did you notice something? Jesus knew that the woman was a poor widow. And he knew that the coins that she gave were all she had. How did he know? This wasn't just an educated guess. These are the words of that widow's maker. He knew her and he noticed her. While this widow went unnoticed by all the people around her, she was noticed and loved by her God. The scribes certainly wouldn't look out for a widow like this, but the Savior would. That is who our God is. And he wanted to point out to all the disciples what she gave that she gave all she had. and he says that this insignificant sum of money was proportionately more than all of the others. It was greater, it was more important to God than all those other offerings. You know. Our Lord is not impressed by large sums of money. People are. We're as impressed by an outward show of a large gift as we are by long prayers. It looks pretty good. It sure seems like a nice thing to do. And I'm not saying don't give a large gift or something. Or If you have money, don't give it away. But why are we doing what we're doing? When we hear so-and-so gave $20 million, we go, wow, that's a lot of money. I can't even think about that. Some billionaires give a whole lot more than $20 million. And they look pretty good to people. But God tells us, as he told Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, that he looks at the heart not the outward appearance of things. In his eyes, the widow and her gift were of more value than the many rich people and their gifts. Why? Because she gave of herself. She was the opposite of the rich young ruler who refused to give up his possessions to follow Jesus. And went away sad, Mark 10, 22. He was willing to to uh, follow the commandments, to do the, the minimum sort of things, to look like a righteous young man. But when push came to shove, he wouldn't follow Jesus, not all the way, not with all that he was, not with all that he had. What about you and I? How far are we willing to go to serve God? Are we willing to become His slave? His belonging, His possession? Well, that is to be in the most precious place you could be. But it comes at the greatest cost you could imagine. That widow gave her everything to her God. The teachers of the law took from others to benefit themselves. So you could see where their heart was. But she gave all she had. To the Lord. But you know what? There is a bit of a tragic element to this story that I think often goes untold. Yes, this woman intended to give all she had to the Lord. Her heart was absolutely in the right place. But her two little coins went into the coffers of a corrupt institution instead. The People who were in charge of the temple treasury were those wicked men that Jesus said, beware of them. Jesus rightly called that temple a hideout for thieves in Mark 11:17, 17. One could easily make the case that it was the temple and its trappings that had become a major part of what devoured the possessions of the poor. And so I, I want to draw your attention to the widow's willing heart to what the Lord saw in her and her gift. We should say amen to what she did, to her motives, to her willingness to give her all. She showed that true faith, true godliness, that's what piety is, true godliness and It was unnoticed by the people, but it was noticed by her Lord. But her gift was a double-edged sword because it also reminds us again of the hypocrisy of the scribes who used their pious reputation for shameful gain. Even under the guise of a temple, temple of the true and living God, great wickedness can be done. And so as we think to apply this text to our lives, firstly I want to say that we must watch out for such people. Be on guard that you are not fooled by people who make a show of piety. Watch their words and lives closely. And I have to say that of myself, watch my life closely. That's a scary thing for me to say. Because what we do on the outside and how a person looks is not what God cares about in a teacher. It's not what he cares about for all of his body, all of his people. And so we also ought to examine ourselves, each one of us. It is easy to point the finger at the arrogance of Joe over there and foolishly ignore our own love for praise and honor to ignore the hypocrisy that we display for others putting up a lovely nice front for others when in our hearts we live for ourselves i think it's it's vital that we remember The disciples of Christ, the twelve disciples, were not immune to the desire of greatness, and neither are we. Already by this point, the twelve disciples have had two major arguments about who was greater. How do we rank ourselves? The first one was in Mark 9, verses 33 to 37, and again in Mark 10. 35 through 40. I'm just going to reference them. But we see in those accounts what they were doing. They were basically planning out the seating arrangements for Christ's coronation banquet. Okay? Where are we going to sit? What position will we have? Both times, Christ taught that the greatest in his kingdom serves the least. How God counts greatness isn't by the best suit or the nicest dress. It isn't by who sits where and who gets called teacher or, or elder or honored one. He says, in Mark chapter 9, verse 37, whoever receives One such child in my name receives me. The one who is helpless like that widow. Just a little child. And whoever receives me, he says, receives not me, but him who sent me. The one who wants to know the Lord. must receive the least with love. Again, Jesus says in Mark 10, verse 43, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So then look at and follow the one who serves first Christ and then others. question, have you given your everything to Jesus or is your piety still an external thing, a convincing act, a shell that hides a heart of selfishness and pride? The danger signs have been pointed out to you by the Lord himself. But there is still time for a U-turn. If you are living a life of pride, of selfishness, of hypocrisy, there are things that you hide away. Sin that you hide in your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to surrender to Jesus. Don't hold back. Be willing to abandon yourself completely to Christ. He alone can save sinners. He alone can give you a new heart, one that seeks after him and does what is pleasing to him, what is righteous in his sight. And as you trust in his sacrifice and as you seek to please him. Heed the words of the Apostle James, who wrote. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James, chapter one, verses verse twenty seven. You see, true piety abandons self-promotion and self-advancement and seeks to please Christ. To care for those He cares about. To care for the helpless. People may be fooled into giving the self-righteous the place of honor. But God sees to the heart. He knows your heart and mine. And he honors those who give their all to him, those who trust only in his son and cast themselves completely in his hand.